This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. The Lord be with you. Some of, I know where some of you are from. Some of you have no idea what just happened. That's called a dominical greeting, a Sunday greeting, a greeting of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Yeah. Those are the words that a messenger spoke, a divine messenger spoke to a young teenage girl. She's probably around 13 or 14. Maybe she was out working in the fields. Maybe she was working in the kitchen. 2,000 years ago, divine messenger came to her. Spoke those words. And then God placed her upon a trajectory that changed her life and ours. And the teenager was Mary. That's right. The divine messenger says, hey, the Lord is with you. A way to recognize God's presence and God's blessing. And that's what I pray for you this morning in our time together. The Lord is always with us. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is all-knowing. But I ask this morning, in our time together, he would make himself known to you in a very intimate, kind, gentle way. And maybe, in the same way that God changed Mary's life, maybe this morning God wants to change yours. The trajectory that you're on, the path that you're on. This is my prayer to you this morning, that the Lord of grace and mercy and peace be with you. And those who are watching online, be with you. We have been in a series. It's called The Summer of Love. Not the summer of love that maybe some of you remember or don't remember if you grew up in the 60s. But love as the Bible defines God love, agape, neighborly devotion, being committed to the other. This is what we've been working through, seeking to understand, seeking to practice. The Bible says that that type of love, that type of commitment and devotion flows from a sincere faith. One who is committed to their walk with God, allows God to pour into them and they pour into the relationship. That love flows through a pure heart. A heart that deals with sin and death. A heart that deals with unrighteousness. A heart that's always soft and open to what God wants to do. And one that has a good conscience. One who is able to reach out to the world. A strong conscience. Able to maneuver what is right, what is wrong. That's what love flows from, flows through, flows to. And as we have looked and seen in the scripture, this is the most important thing. To do anything else in your life is a life of emptiness, a life without purpose, a life without impact, and a life without meaning. Empty is the word that the Apostle Paul uses. This is the most important thing. He says, if you were to know this love, if you would recognize this love, it looks a certain way. It looks like someone who's showing kindness. It looks like someone who's waiting patiently for somebody else. That's what this type of love looks like. But he also says it doesn't look a certain way too. 
If you see these things, that's not someone showing divine love. Like someone who's burning with envy. You guys know what that's like, right? Getting bitter when somebody else has better. Burning with envy. Yeah. Somebody who uh, gets angry when things don't go their way. They perceive that somebody else has something that they should have. And it wells up with bitterness inside of them. Yeah. Agape doesn't look like that. How does it look like somebody parading themselves around? Like a drum major at the head of a parade. Look at me, see me, notice me. Look at what I have done, look what I have accomplished. Or look at my pain, feel, look at my sadness, pay attention to me. You set yourself aside and watch me. Agape doesn't parade itself around like that, does it? Nor is it boasting, self-inflated, looking down at others, looking down at someone's situation, looking down at someone else's pain, looking down at someone else's hardship, puffing themselves up, being self-inflated with their own importance to keep everybody else in their place. Yeah. Nor is it rude. Agape isn't rude. It doesn't elbow its way into a room. It's mindful of what's appropriate, what's nice, what's kind. Someone who speaks rudely, acts rudely, hangs up on you. It's just rude. Agape is not rude. Nor is it manipulative. We talked about this last week. Manipulative, eros. Where we get the idea of Cupid. Greek god Cupid. A manipulative love. Cupid that wears armor and carries a bow. The hunter. Bending others to their will. Bending others to their passions and their wants. A self-seeking kind of love. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a love that's patient and a love that's kind. Those are the types of things that kink up the hose of God's love and limit our capacity to care for others and to participate in a ministry, a gospel work that God wants to bring to a world that's hurting and dying. It kinks up the hose. Maybe we could demonstrate that just a little bit, just so we can see it in our minds. I need five people to help with this, please. Real simple, all you have to do is stand here. That's it. But I need five people that would help me, please. Oh, Maddie's rolling. Here she comes. Oh, she's bringing Lisa with her. Just stand next to the hose and pick it up in front of you, please. There you go. Yep. I need, I need three more. Three more. Jack, you can help. Sure. Here comes Mr. Rob. I need, and I, need, I, need, I need one more. One more. Yeah. One more. I don't care who. Adam, yep, you know it. It's just it's how it rolls. I'm an older. I got to do the stupid things that the pastor tells us to do. Yeah, right there. Could you guys just step up onto the step behind you too? Look at, oh, wow. Look at that. Says, the choreography is amazing. None of this has been rehearsed, folks. Just take the hose and kink it. Yeah, just kink it. Kink it. Kink it. Yeah, kink it. Yeah, spot on. Okay? Somebody who is self-centered and, and self-seeking. It's not talking about Lisa. Lisa's just holding those. But imagine if you would, please. Imagine if you would, please. Someone who burns with envy. Cannot handle goodness coming to others. They are that self-bent. How that kinks the hose of God's love. Imagine someone who's self-parading. This isn't Maddie, but just imagine self-parading themselves. Look at me. It's all about them all the time. 
Imagine someone who inflates themselves over their own importance, over everybody else, looks down on others. Imagine someone who's just plain rude in how they talk and how they treat people. And there's Adam. <laughs> no, not at all. Manipulating. See a pattern here? A pattern of self? How difficult is it for the love of God to flow through? Imagine this as a family, because you understand how generations work, right? And how generational habits work. What do we learn? We learn what was passed on to us. So if you had parents or grandparents that suffered from these sins and practiced these sins, what gets passed on to you? We could have a generation of families that God's love, can, can God's love flow through this? Is there any way the world on the other side will experience God's love if this is how this family operates? No. Could you imagine a church that's like this? A church that's so self-seeking and self-serving and, and all about them. And here is a thirsty world on this side, on this end. Longing for God's presence and God's goods. They might not know it. They might not know what to call it. But they are thirsty for it. There's examples of churches in the Bible that God walks away from, takes their light away from them because they do not practice God's love. Could you imagine if this is a person? Could you imagine if this was your spouse or maybe your parent? And you long for and a hunger for the refreshment that comes from God's goodness. Do you know what it's like to be on this side? But let's flip it. Heaven forbid this is you over here. And this is your spouse over here. This is your son, your daughter over here. This is your neighbor who does not know the goodness of the gospel. This is your coworker. And because of your inability to set self aside, your rudeness, your self-importance, your self-inflating, your manipulation, what are you doing to the goodness of God? And then we're going to add two more kinks to the host today. Guys, can you sit it down? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You guys are very loving, serving, kind people. I don't want anyone thinking that these people are evil in the church. They're, they're. Is what the Apostle Paul's talking about important? Can you understand why maybe if you go through this chapter, and I'm going to read it in a little bit, how he just barrels up. Item after item after item. It's not this and it's not this and it's not this. And to do that makes love very, very difficult to flow through. So let me read, just to remind our hearts and minds. And then we will, uh, I will pray and we'll, we'll dive into the next couple words together. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you're watching online, you can follow along in your Bible. Here we're going to follow along. I'm going to read this, the first line ahead of this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then I'm going to get us caught up to where we are. And as I've done uh, the whole summer, I'm not going to say the word love. I'll say neighborly devotion or agape because that's how that word's translated. And we kind of need to get free from a cultural interpretation and understanding of what love is and love is not. Culture's not going to define that for us. We're going to let the Bible do it. Okay? Let the Bible do it. In 1 Corinthians, uh, beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, again, let me just get us into it. It says this. 
me show you still a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not neighborly devotion, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not neighborly devotion to somebody else, uh, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I'm not devoted to others, I gain nothing. For this devotion is patient. It's kind. Neighborly devotion does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. Then today, it's not irritable or resentful. Father God, would you please, by the power of your spirit in the name of Jesus, help us understand these two attributes, these two actions. It's very easy for us to get irritated. It's very easy for us to be resentful. And even to talk about these things this morning, sinfulness in our own heart can force us to put on the brakes and push others away. Help us, please, to receive this instruction. And by your grace, would you bless me that I would speak in a gentle and a kind way, in a patient way, a pastoral way. In Jesus' name, amen. So take out your notes that you received when you walked in. And let's, we're going to write down a couple things together as we continue in this chapter. It's really important for us to remember that what the Apostle Paul is saying here, these aren't adjectives. These are actions. To see this or to not see this speaks to what love is. So love is impatient. It shows patience. It shows kindness. It's manifest. You don't see rudeness. You don't see manipulation. These are things that you could markedly see. And so when it says irritable, let's understand what irritable means before we write something down. Irritable means to make something sharp, to make it touchy, to get under someone's skin. Easily provoked, easily poked, easily popped. The first or second time that I had COVID, I've had it multiple times. Um, I had the headaches. Any of you had the COVID headaches? Some people get like the sniffles and some more congestive stuff. I had the headaches. My wife had the congestion. I had the headaches. And there is nothing that could abate that or help that apart from sitting in the most comfortable chair I could find in my bedroom, turning off all of the lights, turning off all the sounds, a bag of frozen peas in this hand, a bag of frozen broccoli in this hand, and just smush my face. That's it for about four or five days. Because everything irritated me. Everything hurt me. Every shard of light cut into my psyche, like a glass shard just wielding its way into the back of my skull. Every sound pierced me, would get underneath my psyche. Did not matter who it was or where it came from, my loving children, my loving wife, a loving church, everything hurt, provoked poked, popped, because of a physical disease. Here the Apostle Paul is speaking about a spiritual disease, a spiritual situation, so much so that you are easily poked, provoked, 
and popped. Let's write it in your notes. Write this down. Just to help us understand irritated. Agape isn't offended easily. Agape isn't offended easily. When I was sick, everything would offend. Everything would push. Everything would jar. Everything would, would, would cut. Everything would just get like, and it would hurt. But some people who spiritually, because of sin or immaturity, whatever it might be, can be offended easily. A balloon, if you will. I like balloons. These are pretty balloons. Because someone who's offended, there's a certain sound they make. You ever notice that? If you don't know this, then you're the one who's easily offended. I don't make that sound. Yeah, yeah, you do. Isn't that what the offended person does? <gasps> like a balloon. Easily offended. Now, I will say this in kindness. I think offense, this type of challenge, the irritation, comes from two places. One of them is a person with a weak conscience. A weak conscience. They see wrong and they can't get past the wrong. They see the person's problem and they can't see God's purpose for that person. <gasps> they did what? <gasps> they wore what? <gasps> they went where? Someone who has a weak conscience. And so what? They draw it in, and they draw it in, and they draw it in, until eventually what happens? Anger, rage, wrath. They snap. They balk. They complain. Poke, poke, poke. And it doesn't matter if it's a child that walks through or your spouse that walks through or a loving neighbor that's just checking in. Pop. It's anger, it's rage, and it's wrath. Agape is not like that. Or they don't pop. I have lots of balloons. They don't pop, but they will come into my office and they sound like this. Yep. Lord bless you too. Because <laughs> they're easily irritated. They're easily offended. Love can't flow through that. Love can't flow through that. Okay? From a weak conscience. They see the problem, they don't see the person. You see the problem, you don't see the person. Jesus, because he saw the person, could care for the person and address the problem. 
Some people get offended or easily irritated. Not because of a weak conscience. Not because of a weak conscience. Okay, a weak conscience is just, it's a matter of growth. It's a matter of maturity. Um, you can be weak in one area and strong in another. But some people get irritated because of sin. Because they're self-inflated. Because we really put ourselves in front of others. And it goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. Look how important I am. Look what I have done. Look who I am. Look at my pain. Look at my issues. They suck the air out of the room. Or you suck the air out of the room as you fill up your own ego, as you present your own self more important than others. This is just downright sinful. It's wrong. But anger is often close on its heels because anything that will threaten your value or your importance, you will snap at and you will put back in its place. How dare you? How dare you? I see you nodding your head. And then you'll come to my office. I can't make it. There he goes. Well, this is kind of very unclimactic that time, wasn't it? It's kind of, but yeah. Is there room in the Christian faith to be angry? Almost definitely. Is there room in the Christian faith to have your conscience pricked and poked? To be bothered by things? Yes. 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 Oh, absolutely yes. Is it permission to be unkind? No. Is it permission to not walk patiently with people? No. Just because your conscience is pricked does not mean you get to vomit on social media. I don't care how you feel about Roe versus Wade one way or the other. If you use that as a bully club to subjugate others and you forsake the Christian values of patience and kindness. Does that make sense? Yeah. The Apostle Paul was provoked. It says in Acts chapter 17, as he's walking up to the Parthenon, as he sees all these idols, he's surrounded by idols, he's surrounded by idolatry, he's surrounded by false philosophies and untruth, and it says his conscience was provoked. Yes, as he's gripped by this demon-filled ideology all over him, his conscience was provoked. And then he unpacks the goodness of the gospel. Do you think he was a jerk when he did it? Don't you think he was patient and kind? I do too. I do too. What is it like living with somebody who's like this? Maybe you know. They're just irritated all the time, on edge all the time. Snap all the time. You're with somebody who's battling conscience. You're with someone who's battling their own self-centeredness. And we want to be, we want to be known and seen and valued and loved. But not at the expense of destroying others. Maybe you battle with that. Maybe your anger can snap. 
maybe you are easily provoked and poked and popped. And maybe today's a great opportunity to let the gospel do some healing for you. Agape isn't offended easily. <gasps> I hyperventilate right here in front of everybody. Secondly, agape isn't scorekeeping. Let's write that down. It isn't scorekeeping. The word in, in your translation might be resentful, resenting. It's an accounting term to count something against somebody else, to keep the tally. To keep the list. They did this, they did this, they did this, they did this, they did this. I was watching some kind of a lifting competition uh, online. It was a CrossFit or an Olympic, I'm not sure. They had to, two competitors had to go down a long path. Uh, each of them were carrying two very heavy kettlebells, one on each shoulder, and they did do these deep lunges so that their knee contacted with the ground. So I'll go way down. I'm not doing it for you because then you'll laugh at me. Um, they get all the way down. That was a full rep. And then they take the next step and go down, go down, long path, two people competing. One woman got to the end of the track and the judge said, you, you had no rep twice. You have to go back and do two more. Okay? You didn't, your knee didn't make full contact. You have to go back. You missed two. You have to go back and do two. That's her competitors going by her. That judge was keeping track. You did this wrong twice. It's held against you. You need to go back and make it right. Okay. Or think about when you go to the hospital. Okay. You get sick. You have to stay in a room. There's treatments. There's, this was broken and this needs repaired and that needs fixed. And we had to give you this and take care of that and offer you this. Here's the bill. It's not health care. It's sick care. <laughs> right? Or maybe you get home and the bill comes in the mail and you open it up. Uh, the insurance took care of this. The insurance didn't take care of that. Okay. What do you need to do? You need to make reconciliation. You need to make it right. Whether that means calling up the insurance company or calling up the billing office at the, hotel, you, at the hospital, you need to do something to take care of that, to pay that. Imagine, if you will, that it gets paid for. It's been paid. You paid it. You paid what was remainder. But imagine if they kept calling you afterwards. And still kept holding it over your head and holding it against you. That's resentment. Even though it's been made right, even though it's been reconciled, even though it's been paid, I'm still going to hold it against you. Agape doesn't keep score. Agape doesn't keep the count. Someone who keeps score is constantly nursing the memory of past offenses. They are rehearsing it and rerunning it. And do you remember if you took a VCR and you kept rewinding it and rewinding it and rewinding it, eventually what would happen to the tape? Break it, distort it, twist it. Mart. And this is what happens to the soul that constantly reviews and remembers and rehearses. Number one, the whole situation gets all jacked up and twisted, but it actually is going to corrupt you from the inside out. Agape does not keep the score. 
It doesn't play back, so it can push back. Now, can I be guarded? This, someone brought this up after the first service. Can I be guarded when someone has hurt me? Uh, yeah. Sure. Someone who's growing in their faith, you know, young in their faith, they will hurt you and they will offend you and they will bother you and they will push, and, but you're not going to keep score. You're still going to be kind. You can be guarded and still be patient. You can be guarded and you can still go slow with others. And you have to watch your own heart and your own mind in the process. And maybe bring some others alongside of you. Hey, I think, you know, when I get around this person, this person gets around me, um, I can just kind of, like, you know what's coming. And you have to pray ever more so and hold up that person ever more so. But you can't keep score. You know, you can, can you pop a balloon that isn't blown up? Can you pop it when it's not blown up? It won't explode, will it? Can it be pierced? Yeah, it can be pierced. And aren't we, if anything, people who are pierced? Don't we follow and serve and chase after a king that was pierced? Isn't that the gospel? A humbleness of heart and mind. Yes, people, people hurt us. But we don't get irritable, do we? We don't get resentful, do we? Because was Jesus... Was he irritable? Was he hanging on the cross? I'm going to get you guys. You, I'm coming back. I'll keep it score. No. No, there's, there's forgiveness and there's, there's grace and there's love and there's, there's, they're going, they're going slow with people. I want you to notice something as I thought about these two together. We put them together. Easily offended and keeping score are sins over time. Okay. To be offended. I'm going to pass out. <laughs> happens over time. Right? Building up and building up and building. The irritability is building up and building up until finally what happens? Pop. Happens over time. The same way. Keeping score happens over time. Imagine the length of a game, right? They keep score in this period of time. You have been keeping score for a period of time. It's a sin across time. You're not dealing with your stuff. You're not constantly being renewed in your heart and mind, coming before the Lord Jesus Christ to be transformed by the reality of his loving grace in the gospel. During this hot weather, my wife has to go out every morning and often every evening to water some of the plants. They need it every day. just the way some of those plants are. Every single day to arrest the dryness that has chased after it throughout the hot, hot afternoon hours. Bring constant refreshment. 
because the environment has sucked it dry. We need to constantly be in a habit of being renewed heart and mind daily, daily. I can't keep track of your sins as long as I'm busy remembering my own. You know what? I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. And as long as I'm keeping my heart in check, it makes it really difficult for me to count up what you're doing. Not just daily, but a weekly remembering. This is what we do here. What is a pastor's job? I have no idea. What is a pastor's job? An elder's job? To remind you of what's important. To remind you what's important. Focus on this. Look at this. See Christ. See the gospel. See Jesus. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's what a sheep does, right? Sheep has not looking to fall off the cliff. It's just what's going to happen. So what does the shepherd do? Hey, 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 hey. Here, here. We gather together on a weekly basis to be reminded of what that means. Who I am. What God has done. I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under the Pontius Pilate, crucified, died and buried. I remember, I remember these things. We remind each other of these things. We sing about these things. We pray to these things. We, we study these things. We be re renewed and reminded to these things. If we're doing that, then it has this habit of removing the irritability because we learn to be gentle with one another because we remember that Jesus is gentle with us. We don't keep score because we're thankful for the one who has wiped the table clean. The psalm that we read this morning uh, before the message time was in Psalm 25. And I want to highlight something, and this is one of the reasons we read it this morning. In Psalm 25, it has this to say. Psalm 25, I'm going to read verse 6 and 7. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. That's love across time. For they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O God. The psalmist comes before God and says, God, will you please remember me according to your love? Don't remember me according to how screwed up I am. Look at the tally of your grace and the overflowing abundance of your love and mercy. Will you think about me through that filter? Please don't think about me through the filter of how I failed. And God in his goodness and his mercy does that. We seek that. We need to learn to extend that. In the same way, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he says, hey, come and learn from me. Learn from me because I am humble and I am gentle. I'm humble and I'm gentle. 
Humble is a good word. It means to think of myself correctly, not over others, but under the sovereignty of God. Why in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, it's in your notes, but let me read it for you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this. This would be a great passage to memorize, to, to meditate on this week if this is something that, that, that you struggle with. We all struggle with all of these at any given time. It's okay. It's just the mature person knows it. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2. I therefore, listen to how he describes it, a prisoner for the Lord. Prisoner. Urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Act what you say you believe. Let it line up. Be worthy of that calling. Be worthy of the gospel and how you act. How do you do that? With all humility and gentleness and patience. Bearing with one another in love. Agape. Being devoted to the other. You can't pop a balloon if it's inflated. What we're trying to work towards and run towards in our sanctification, becoming more like Jesus Christ, is an indifference to self. Jesus was indifferent to self, indifferent to his personal pain. He set himself aside to carry the cross. We want to get to that same place. Look at some of the words that kink up that hose. Self-importance and arrogance and envy and boastfulness, rudeness, irritated, easily offended. These are self-words. We want to grow in our maturity. Grow in our following after Christ in such a way that we put others in front of ourselves. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.